0: Good morning. good morning, it is good to see you. I hope you had fun with Fanny Crosby last week. I just, I just appreciate her so much, and uh, I was uh, not able to be here because we were celebrating my dad's 91st birthday and we had a big family gathering and it was, it was wonderful, so I had a good time. But I was uh, missing, missing Fanny. Um, so today we start our British Invasion. You see on your bulletin covers, we have the Fab Four. Uh, today's featured artist is Brian Wren. Um, yeah, we're going to have some fun with these guys. Um, we, we picked them because they're um, English, but in fact, they all have really strong connections to the Methodist Church as well, as so you'll hear with Brian um, as we get started today and talking uh, about Brian and, and his life and what he, his life has uh, brought to the music and, and getting to know him a little bit better, I want to pause and say on that last hymn that was sung for us, um, uh, Here, I Am, Here, Here Am I, um, the words are by Brian Wren, and I don't know how many people ever look at the other things there because it'll have the big title and then under it it says words and music, and um, sometimes I look at them and a lot of times I'm just looking at the words. But it said today, the music is by uh, Daniel Charles Damon. And I just want to let you guys know, he's a pastor in our annual conference. And he pastors at Point Richmond. In a previous appointment, I was in a circuit with him. Um, And those of you who went to annual conference, he played keyboard in our worship. Um, So, yeah, so we have even more connection with that him. Um, Wonderful guy. Thinking back through your life, I want you to think for a moment of somebody in your life who was just an amazing teacher. Now, it could have been somebody in your life who was an amazing teacher in a formal classroom setting. You know, a lot of us have a special teacher when we were going through who touched our heart and that we had a real bond with. And maybe it was an elementary teacher. Or maybe it was like a, a teacher in high school that you got to pick a particular subject and really started. They really got you into something or a college professor that you have. But... Or it might be like a grandmother who taught you how to sew or make pies or, or even garden or, uh, or, you know, somebody, maybe, um, maybe somebody that you knew from church who took a special interest and in taught you music or something. Think of somebody in your life who was a very special teacher to you, who imparted to you their passion for some particular subject that you have enjoyed for most of your life. Think about that for a minute. Okay, does everybody have somebody in their mind? Okay, so I want you to think about that. And then I want, to think, I want you to think about teachers who are like kind of boring and like you scribbled through the whole class or made past notes or didn't pay attention at all. I'm thinking a lot of us can think of that easy, you know, because we've had a lot of people like that. Um, I'm hoping that you're not thinking Pastor Jeanette every Sunday morning, but, you know, it could be, could be. Um, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. That um, our scripture points to today, and that Brian Wren's life and his and his words of the hymnody, here's what it here's what I want you to really start understanding about this. Um, That of all the teachers in the world, all the teachers in our lives, the most important teacher for us is Jesus, and and the tool by which we learn this is the stories of the Bible, but But Jesus is risen, right? And and not confined to just the stories of the Bible, but is alive in our world today. And goes before us and is in the midst of all the brokenness and suffering of our world. As the scripture said today, you know, we are heirs and we will be glorified as long as we're also willing to be suffering with Jesus. Right? We can't just sit back And watch mission and ministry happen, and go, oh, good job, right? Because we're not really entering into the fullness of life in Christ. So I want to share with you a story. When I was a teacher of kindergarten students, and um, so one day um, we were planning the next day we were going to go across the playground to there was a little city park that we could go to and play on. They had different play equipment, and we got to walk, you know, across the big kids. Play field and, and uh, go over there. And so I said, you know, tomorrow we're going to have a fun little outing and we're going to we're gonna do this and that on the other and we're going to eat goldfish. Now, when I say that, you all know, right? I'm talking about the crackers. And I thought every five-year-old knew about goldfish, but there was this room full of kind of shocked eyes looking at me, kind of like, what? And one little kid said, well, we have goldfish, but we never eat them. And then this other little kid said, well, I like tuna fish, so maybe I'll like goldfish. I thought, well, that is so sweet. You know, they're trying to figure this out. And I said, oh, you guys don't know about goldfish and how fun it is to eat goldfish. And they were like, no. I said, oh, tomorrow we're going to have a great day. So we went across the playground, and we got to do our activities. And one of the activities was with my aide who took them in, and they... Counted goldfish and they got to eat however many high they could count to with their goldfish. So if they could count to three, they ate three, but if they could count to 120, they could eat 120. You know, however high they could count, they got to eat those that amount of goldfish. And so then after I said, Did you enjoy eating goldfish? Oh, yes, teacher, that was very fun. Okay, I thought about that and I thought, you know, they were like captive, they didn't have a choice. Their teacher was going to take them, and they're compelled to come to school. They have to go over there to eat goldfish. But if I was talking to a room full of adults who didn't have any concept of what goldfish were, would they have shown up the next day to go with me to eat goldfish? Would they have trusted me enough to say, Wow, I don't know what this eating goldfish is about, but I know Pastor Jeanette. She's not going to do something horrible, and so I'm going to trust her, and we're going to go eat goldfish with Pastor Jeanette tomorrow. I'm thinking there would have been like three, not a classroom full. There would have been, you know, like three people. The one who said, I like tuna fish, maybe, I, you know, that, that kind of stuff. There, that, that somewhere along the line, we start to not really trust that it's going to be the experience we want. And I think that part of our problem is that we don't fully trust God. We don't actually trust Jesus to lead us to where we need to be. That when we're invited to go into the heart of suffering in our world, we say, ah, maybe not today. I think I have something much more fun scheduled, right? We don't say, wow, in this moment, God has something amazing and powerful to teach me that will transform my life, that will free me. In ways that I didn't know I needed freeing. And a lot of times, you know, we say, you know, I'm kind of comfortable in my slavery. Remember the Israelites when they got let out? Do you remember that they were suffering and they were hungry and they were thirsty? And they said, oh, if only we were still slaves in Egypt, at least we had meat in the pot. Right? That there are those times when we would rather be slaves because at least we're comfortable at it. But God is giving us a spirit that is not a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of freedom. And freedom can also carry with it some pain and some suffering. And sometimes we have to walk paths we didn't want to walk. And yet God, and yet God can bring us is such a better place after we walk through those spots. Sometimes, sometimes we can live much more freely because we know that God will carry us through those difficult times. So Brian Wren was born on June the 7th in 1936. So he is 81. Um, he was born in England, grew up in a um, congregational church in England. Um, when In 1955, he was um, confirmed on profession of faith, and, and in 1965, he was ordained uh, pastor in the congregational church. He went to Oxford. He has um, all of his degrees from Oxford. Um, He pastored for about five years from 65 to 70. He pastored and um, while retaining his ordination, he went on to what in our denomination we call appointment beyond the local church, where you're not being a church pastor anymore, but you're still ordained and you're serving Christ in a different way beyond being a pastor in a local church. So he went on to work for some um, powerful organizations, one of them that was connected with the uh, World Council of Churches out of England, and another group that was uh, a nonprofit that was helping um, people in developing nations um, find ways to be empowered to uh, rise from poverty. Worked for about 13 years in those organizations. Um, he was married, had two kids. Um, later that marriage ended. Um, and then this is the United Methodist Connection. In 91, he married Susan um, Hayfield, who is ordained United Methodist pastor. And, uh, and they live in the U.S. Um, he is retired now. She is still teaching some. Um, they have worked in partnership. But in his life's journeys, in his life's journeys, there's been two major passions that really bring together, um, for us, some of the essence of what he's trying to convey in his, uh, in his hymns. Um, he's, he's, he doesn't usually write the melody. Um, he writes a poem, and then finds somebody to compose the melody. Sometimes he says he comes up with a melody, kind of, kind of plunks it out. and He enjoys singing. He says he learned to sing in the church choir. A plug for you. Yes? Learned to sing parts in the church choir. Um, but he's not actually musically trained, so sometimes he plunks out a tune if it kind of get, comes to him and, but, and gives that the melody. But he, he says, I don't know how to harmonize or, you know, arrange stuff. So uh, other people do the music for it. Um, but he has, um, two, two big passions. Um, one of them is words. Remarkably, one of the things I've been noticing as I've been reading about the lives of people in our series is that, um, a lot of them have a background in, in English or, you know, in formal training in English or, or education that way. And words have, have great meaning for him. Um, he understands the power of words, um, to invoke images, to connect us, but also to separate us, and to disconnect us, and to put a veil. Um, for many people, maybe not as many in this room, but for many people in our, um, in our fullness of our congregation, uh, grew up at a time when we always spoke of God in these and thou's. Remember those days, back in the days, when we always spoke of God with these and thou's, and... and um, I being a pastor, when I watch movies, I'm always quite interested in portrayal of religious situations and and uh, especially the roles of pastors and and people who try to pray and they often, you know, are kind of startled and they're going, uh... uh... Godest us, you know, because you know, they don't really know the language. And he recognized in the sixties when he started pastoring, he recognized that people didn't talk ordinarily in the language that, that was being used in church, which involved a lot of these and those. And he thought, you know, people aren't going to connect as fully to the words of the hymn if, if the words that are being used don't actually connect with how they talk and how they think. And so he started writing poems uh, to be made into hymns that had more contemporary language. One of my favorite hymns, he did not write it, but I just love this one line, it, come thou fount of every blessing, right? Uh, uh, fount of every blessing. And it says uh, here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. Does anyone talk like that in your daily living? When you're walking down and you greet somebody, do you ever say here I raise mine Ebenezer? Hereby, they help them come. We just don't. Part of the reason I love that line is because it's so not how we talk. But a lot of times the people in the pew singing that are like, and what did did I just sing? What am I talking about? And we think of Ebenezer Scrooge, right? The only Ebenezer we know, we're looking for him, is he in the pew nearby. Right? So Brian Rand started writing hymns that spoke of our lives today. And he would advocate that in every generation, we need new hymn writers who use the language, how it's being used now, and and help people so that they don't feel that there's a veil between me and God, that I have to use this language that I don't even know what it means, right? And so that was really important to him. But also, he began to see how his use of language was actually separating some people from the fullness of the experience of God. And... and, uh, people started talking to him about what we call inclusive language. And we talked with that more earlier with Ruth Duck. But uh, he he became aware of of how using language that describes all of humanity as man kind of leaves behind women, in part because the experience of man is not the same as the experience of woman. And so he started looking at this more fully, Um, and and accepted that and tried to find ways to talk about um, uh, our lives and community as human beings without restricting the language usage to male pronouns and, and descriptors. But then one day somebody said, wow he's doing a really good job, a critique of one of the hymns newly published that he'd done, he's doing a really good job of inclusive language But his images of God are all still male. And he was like, well, what's wrong with that? Right? He's thinking. And then he said, as I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, male and female, God created them in the image and likeness of God. God created them male and female. Wow. And so he started trying to expand his own understanding of who God is and how we talk about God to represent more and more fully who God is. He confesses that it wasn't comfortable for him at first, thinking of God as mother. Even though there are many times in the Bible when through the prophets, God says, I was your mother. I was the mother hen. I was, Jesus says, I wish I was the mother hen who could gather you in, right? And, and God says, I was the one who bent down to feed you, which is the nursing mom, right? I was the one who bent down to feed you. And yet, when you could start walking, you walked away, right? And so he started looking for those images, and what he found was they were there, these images, these feminine images of God, that the fullness of God is not limited to male. And he began to live more comfortably into that and to write his hymns more comfortably into that. Why I bring that up is because a lot of times things are going on in life in which we have difficulty. And when we're having difficulty, we look for where God is and how God is there to help us. But there are times in life when someone else is having difficulty and they might say, you know what, your attitude is part of the problem Um, in current times. Um, Most recently, in recent years, there's been movements like the Black Lives Matter movement. And people will say, well, all lives matter. That's true. They do. That includes Black Lives Matter. And And the thing is, is if saying Black Lives Matter makes you uncomfortable, then you need to explore that. Why? Why would that be? Why would it make you uncomfortable to say that, you see? And this is what Brian is inviting us to. Not only to look for where God is in our midst when we personally are suffering, but to look for the ways that we actually sometimes impede the work of God in the world. Those places that there's some truth to it, but we're uncomfortable with that truth. To explore that more deeply, to be willing to go to those places where we are not comfortable even to enter into the suffering of hurting and broken communities because God is there and God is calling us to learn and to grow. God is the most amazing teacher ever and God loves us so deeply that even when we find ourselves entering in to the midst of very broken places, God is not going to abandon us there to our despair. But God is ready to lead us forward. Every person in this room has gone through something in life they wish they hadn't. They wish. I wish I didn't have to go through that. If I could write my life again, I would take that part out, right? The problem is... The problem is that when you start carving out those little parts, pretty soon you don't have much of a life left if you take out everything that was painful and uncomfortable, even the really big painful parts. One of the images I held up is the image of of fudge swirl ice cream, right? So you've got your vanilla and you swirl in the fudge, and that's life and you say, oh, I'm gonna take out the bad parts. Is that the vanilla or the fudge? First you have to figure that part out. And then as you're trying to carve that out, you know, you're, you're getting some of the good with the bad. You can't just get the fudge out or just get the vanilla, right? And then when you're left with it, what do you actually have, right? right what do you actually have? Not much left. That there's a swirling of pain and joy, a swirling of good and of hurt, a, pain, a, a swirling of, of sin and brokenness and shame and guilt and forgiveness and grace and mercy and peace. And it's all in there together, right? And we are given this spirit that encourages us to jump in fully, not a spirit of slavery. We're afraid to experience. The fullness of life because we don't actually trust that God can lead us through it. We are given a spirit of boldness to enter into and engage and to carry the good news of the gospel and the power of the hope of salvation, the power of resurrection in our lives. Not just at the end, but in our lives knowing that we can live fully every day. Death does not have the final word on us. We have nothing to fear. But we have a message of hope. A powerful message of hope that this world hungers to hear. And so Brian Wren would encourage us then to to look for where God is in our suffering today. In our own personal suffering and in the suffering of the world. And and to go and, and to engage and to learn to trust God that God has and a powerful lesson for us to not fear to not fear but to continue to to engage in life to open ourselves up to new understandings to open ourselves up to carrying a word of grace lives that are so hurting and broken. Will you join me in a prayer? Loving God, we confess that there are many times that we would prefer to be comfortable. There are many neighborhoods in our community where we may not feel safe. And we confess that we become immobilized. And we ask that you would help us to find ways to leave behind the slavery of our fear that we might boldly share your love in our families, in our places of work, and in our world where we see the brokenness and the misery. Help us to be bold enough to trust you and to follow you so that every day our lives truly are useful to you in building up your holy realm in our world, in our time. In all of this, we pray in the name of Jesus and the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Oops, I'm still on. We spend so much of our time, of our lives, seeking after prizes and treasures that are superficial or worldly and bring little or nothing to strengthen our lives in Christ. Some of that which we acquire actually interferes with our relationship to God through Christ Jesus by staking a claim on our affections that grows into a form of idolatry. An old hymn of the church invites us to lay your trophies at his feet and crown Jesus Lord of all. We can turn again to Jesus because Christ our Lord invites to his table all, who earnestly repent of their sin, who seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let's sing together our call call to confession. It's me. sister but it's me oh lord standing in the need of prayer not my brother not my sister but it's me oh lord standing in the need of prayer let's join together in our unison confession which will be followed by a time of silent and personal confession and then the pardon so let us pray merciful god Through Jesus Christ, our Lord.